Welcome to Dream Talk Radio. My name is Anne Hill, and today I am in the office of William Formaker, who is an MFT. He is a psychotherapist in Santa Rosa, and we are going to talk today about dreams and eating disorders. But first, about dreams. So, um, should I call you William? Or call me Will. Will. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. Well, I'm getting quite a charge out of it, and we haven't even started yet. Excellent. That's very <laughs> great. So let's start at the beginning. You are interested in dreams, and how did you... So your interest in dreams predates your um, experience as a licensed clinician. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. My interest in dreams came about because of my own personal psychotherapy, mm-hmm. which I began... Uh, just fortuitously, of course, Jung would say synchronistically with the Jungian. And uh, he was interested in dreams and started to ask me to write them down and talk about them. And as a result of that, I started to read Carl Jung and, of course, became immersed. And I spent years of my life uh, reading C.G. because he was uh, my anchor. And as a part of that, I also wrote down dreams and thought about dreams. And I loved dreams. In dreams, you can have experiences you've never imagined. And they are wonderful. And sometimes they're frightening. But oftentimes, whatever they are, they are out of this world. So was it through uh, your own psychotherapy and dream work that you decided to become a psychotherapist? Is that yes, you? it was, yeah. It was, I was in a profession I was unhappy in, and um, the only psychotherapy or only psychology I knew was uh, back in Wisconsin, which is where they had rats and mazes, and it never dawned on me that there was anything else until I was introduced to this whole inner world right. where people were trying to uh, construct some kind of understanding of what happens mm-hmm. in our psyche. So I'm assuming that when you, when you started your practice, you were sort of using a Jungian framework to talk about dreams with your clients. Is that true? That's correct. What, did you have any other influences that really uh, affected how you approached uh, the dreams of your clients? Uh, I don't think I did. Uh, You know, my own personal perspective, but really, I mean, I was totally uh, Jungian-based and uh, looked at the dreams from uh, a Jungian model. Mm -hmm. So, I guess, you know, my next questions are sort of twofold. First is, how did you end up um, sort of specializing in eating disorders, treatment for people with eating disorders. I mean, I know you do a bunch of other stuff, but that seems mm-hmm. to be, you know, you have the whole institute and so forth. And maybe you could talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your business here. And the other is how, I, maybe the second question is, how is, um, what have you learned about dreams and eating disorders that might be slightly different than the dreams of a non-eating disordered person? Well, I think everybody's dreams are different in individual, so it doesn't matter what the uh, actual, quote, diagnosis, unquote, is. Uh-huh. Right. But let's just start out with the beginning, how I sure. became interested in eating Great. disorders. Great. 
which was uh, I established my own private practice and worked on my own for a number of years and uh, eventually decided I'd like to have some kind of outside uh, collegial experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a while I worked for uh, Memorial Hospice in Santa Rosa, right. did that for four or five years, and that was a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. I loved that work, where I would go out to the homes. And then uh, the second, and, and that ended, and when that ended I went for a few more years, and then I got the urge again to go out, and I applied to an ad in the newspaper. <laughs> And it turned out that the director of an uh, intensive outpatient program that was offered here in Santa Rosa was a friend of mine who I didn't uh, know that she was at the time. And uh, she hired me. Oh, wow. And then uh, I remember the first day I walked into the group of 10 women from the ages of 14 to about 37, I think. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about eating disorders, and I asked them, I said, what can I do? What do you want from me? Because I know nothing. How can we start? Mm -hmm. This one young woman raised her hand, and she said, we'd like you not to judge us. And I said, great! <laughs> I can do that! That's wonderful! And we all laughed, and we went from there, and then... I started reading, and I started studying, and I started going to courses, and um, I found, uh, to quote Anita Johnston, that these women, all of them, have some things in common, which is they are all very sensitive, they're all very intelligent, they're all very creative, they have an ability to see the unseen, and who wouldn't want to work with wonderful clients right. like that? So I was caught up. Oh, great. And uh, really, I love who they are, mm -hmm. and I love seeing them change and become mm -hmm. even more of who they are. Mm -hmm. So you see clients coming in for, I mean, it, it, there's some acknowledgement that there's an eating disorder or they're in treatment of some sort? Well, so then what happened, to, yeah. of course, I did that. That IOP closed. Uh, then another one opened up here, and they, uh, I became the director because uh -huh. they needed one. And I did that for a year, and they closed. Oof. So in March of uh, 2014, I opened Full Heart Treatment Center. Mm -hmm. And we run an intensive outpatient program. Okay. And some people come in, and they have eating disorders. And uh, some adolescents and some 50-year-old mm -hmm. women right. come in. And they don't have eating disorders. They really don't know why they're here. They, but they're here, and mm -hmm. so they're here for treatment because their lives aren't working very well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot of denial mm -hmm. in the eating disorder community mm -hmm. and probably in any addiction community. Right. So right. that's just what it is. Uh -huh. So how then did you start introducing dreams? I mean, you, you said that you... Every person who comes in is given a, a dream journal. When a did dream you start journal. That? Yes, that is. Uh, I started introducing dreams because I think dreams are an integral part of life. And I think if you're not paying attention to dreams, you're missing a whole part of yourself that's there for you. Mm -hmm. 
So I think dreams are so supportive and they tell us what's going on in our interior and if you can just get a grasp of that, you don't have some outside authority telling you what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's you speaking to you. Right. It's so much easier to take. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also scary and you have to admit that uh, maybe you aren't totally in control of your own house. Mm -hmm. You know, the dream maker makes up the dream as far right. as I'm concerned. Right. So if you can do that, then you, it, whatever it does, it, makes, it brings up discussions about things you really are unconscious about. Mm -hmm. And you can talk about why you're in this house, or why this road is going to nowhere, or why you're at the edge of a cliff. And whatever those images are, bring up feelings and emotions, and those are the important pieces to mm -hmm. get a hold of. So it sounds like just focusing on the images you know, in the dream and talking about, like, if it is at the edge of a cliff, just kind of drawing that out, that sort of descriptive... That's right, we talk about it, but we talk about their associations because each individual's dream is theirs, so your edge of the cliff will be different than mine. Right. The table in your dream will be different than mine. Right. Yours might be your grandmother's table that you used to hide under all the time or that you got to sit at with grandma and have big talks about. Mine might be a table that was in my uncle's house that I always wished I could be at but never could be or whatever they are, you know. Right. Uh, your lion is not my lion. Right. So I try to get those individual associations mm -hmm. and then oftentimes you can take that and magnify them talk about the way lions appear in other kinds of uh, fairy tales, mm -hmm. fables, uh, things that have gone right. down through right. the millennia, I guess. Right, the heart of the lion, mm -hmm. famous <laughs> Corbin Jung. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so dreams allow people to talk about their eating disorders even when they, quote, don't have one, unquote. Uh-huh, right. So that's... So it's just a way into the unconscious material that um, that some some people that 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 it can it can be sort of a stealth move, right? Like, no, we're not talking about an eating disorder. Let's talk about this dream image. Yes, we're talking about you, and it's right. an exciting thing to talk about mm -hmm. because in our society, dreams are not really given the importance I believe they should have, but they're fun. And they are interesting because they are sort of kind of on the edge, mm, mm -hmm. dreams. Right. So. Well, I mean, my hunch is that you wouldn't continue working with dreams with eating disorder patients if you weren't having some success. And so I guess my question is, you know, what, do you have a story or, or a, you know, generalized kind of um, progression that you've seen with your eating disorder uh, patients? Well, the generalized progression you see with eating disorder patients, I believe, is from self-hatred to compassion and self-love. Mm. That's where you want to go. If mm. you can move them anywhere along that continuum, you're going to make a difference in their lives. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you can talk about the dream in regard to one of those two ideas mm -hmm. and help them see where they are presently inside. Right. 
you can say, look, at this is the movie of your life that's going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. You know, while you're living this other movie outside, let's see if we can't put them together a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's change it. Right. And earlier you said that, that only one in ten, one, one in ten page, clients actually write in the dream journal, but some bring them in. And it got me to thinking about, um, you know, sleep disorders. Is Because a lot of times if you don't remember your dreams, you're just not getting enough sleep. Is that, do, do you see those kinds of insomnia or various things going hand in hand with eating disorders? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's a lot of insomnia, mm. a lot of night eating. Mm. It's a very difficult time for any of us, the dark and the night. Mm -hmm. And so with eating disorders, the same thing goes on. They don't remember their dreams because they have so many other things going on on their outside of their lives and so anxious and mm -hmm. depressed and unhappy that they don't sleep very well. Uh -huh. So that's really hard to, right. but it's hard to remember your dream no matter who you are. That is true. You know? <laughs> so I think that uh, it isn't that they don't remember their dreams, it's that they don't give them much value. Uh-huh. They think that I may be a little bit eccentric if we want to talk about uh -huh. their dreams. <laughs> what does dreams have to do with what's going on in their right. world? Right. So for those women, and I assume there are some men who come in, or maybe what's the, the ratio there? There are very few men. There are a lot more than we see or know. Yeah. It's difficult for men to come in for treatment. Right. It is difficult to be in a feminine milieu if you're yes, a male. Right. So I'd say we probably see about 5% 5%, males. Yeah. yeah, right. So um, of those, now I just forget the, the question I was going to ask, but uh, I guess it, it had mostly to do with, of the, of the clients who come in with dreams, do you see any particular, and we were talking earlier about nightmares, do you see any particular symbols or patterns that you would say, um, that, that you look for? I mean, you talked about self-hatred to self-love. Are there anything particular to the whole constellation of eating disorder issues that you could would point to? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is nourishment and food. Oh, right. There's always, there's always something about that right. in one way or another. Another thing that comes up is their feelings about their body. Mm -hmm. And you will have different images of... Uh, I had one lady dream she was in a uh, funhouse of mirrors. Mm. Uh, but there are... I think the emotional underlie is bigger than the images because uh -huh. the images are particular to the individual right. but you have always have fear mm -hmm. and there's always terror and there's always overwhelming uh, I've lost the word the opposition that you're facing right. is overwhelming and mm -hmm. what's going on in the dream is uh, difficult to get through and it's a fight and it's a struggle and its confusion, those are very mm -hmm. common scenarios. So you can be in a house where you have ghosts, you can be in a house where there's so many rooms and you're right. running from room to room, you can be 
you were being chased by malevolent creatures. There's all those types mm. of uh, scenarios that are in the beginning uh, having to do with facing your nemesis. Mm -hmm. Right. Huh. Nemesis, that's a great, <laughs> great word. <laughs> and so you, when you, you're working with people, I mean, it sounds like there's, there, there have been issues with having this kind of program on an ongoing basis, but what are the most important insights do you think that um, clients have, have gotten from their dreams in terms of recovery from their eating disorders? I think the most important insight in the beginning is that they have one. Uh. That we can talk about it and they begin to identify certain themes in their dreams mm -hmm. that are going on in their lives right. and that in fact it is uh, disordered eating in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And they will identify a character uh, as the eating disorder. Most often uh, a male. Mm. Uh, sometimes the female gets involved, but usually she's uh, like the hand in hand with the mm. male, and there may be two of them mm. uh, that are uh, dictating uh, ways of behavior. Mm. So if I were to I think if I were to say what we're really trying to do to go back to treating eating disorders from my standpoint, sure. which is is to make them feel loved. Mm -hmm. That they can feel loved again. Mm -hmm. It's a huge step towards right. recovery. Which in my lexicon of dreams means looking for the moment of beauty in a dream. Mm. You know, there's some way, even if it's just a little moment in passing where there's, you know, a gorgeous tree or a river or a stained glass or any place, that to me connotes love in a dream or just sort of some unasked for serendipity, you know, some compassion. Those all sound very good. <laughs> looking for those moments of beauty. I hadn't thought about it quite like that, but absolutely. <laughs> if you can find those and take them out of the terror or right. some hope, always looking for hope. Mm -hmm. right. And if we can just point out a few things that you've done that are moving you towards hope right. and change. So, for instance, if somebody brings in a recurring dream but there is movement within the dream, there's some progression of the archetypes or the action, that would be something that you would consider moving, to, moving in a positive direction, or there's hope, there's some evolution. How would you frame that? Yeah, you know? I think that's very good. That's exactly what it is. But recurring dreams, uh, in my mind, are uh, wake-up dreams. They're like, Hello, I keep yeah. sending you this message and you're not paying attention. Right. Please, this right. is important to you. Right. And oftentimes if you can get people to accept that, then they'll look at it even further. And usually recurring dreams are uh, unpleasant for some reason. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to look at them, they don't want to know about them, right. and they view them as uh, a thorn in their side. Mm -hmm. 
But once you tell them that if we look at this dream and work with it, it won't come back. Right. You'll have gotten the message and the unconscious right. will bring you something new. And that often helps them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we, so we look at that dream and see if we can't figure out what's going on for you. Right. These are all such good suggestions, not just for people with their own dreams, but for, for other counselors or therapists who might be working with folks with eating disorders. Do you, can you think of any other, just sort of, you know, for those therapists who, who have clients, maybe who are actually bringing in dreams but don't really know how to work with them, what would your, be your sort of basic three points to start with just sort of including dreams in a practice, particularly with eating disorder patients? Well, you first I'd encourage them to bring in a dream. Yeah. And if they bring in a dream, I'd talk about the dream. You don't have to know uh, any kind of arcane right. symbolism or related to anything specifically except what's going on in the dream, how are you feeling about the dream, mm -hmm. what do you think about this situation in the dream, and just talk about the dream. Mm -hmm. And the other one is, of course, is to encourage them to just remember the dream throughout the day. Oh, Hold right. the dream. The dream is there for you. It is a message from you to you. Right. You know, we aren't talking about anything I'm going to tell you. Right. This is you speaking to you. Mm -hmm. How wonderful. Mm -hmm. You have all this support from your unconscious, and it's just waiting for you to pay attention. That's a great. That's a great idea. Just having encouraging people to hold their dream during the day. I mean, it's it's sort of a a step towards self awareness in other ways, isn't it? Yes, it is. Right. Yes, it is. How am I feeling in this moment? Yes, it's also an acknowledgement of that other side of yourself that is so big and so mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, you'll find you'll get more and more support as time goes on. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. This has been so insightful. I really appreciate <laughs> talking to you about how you how you work with clients with dreams. This is I think this is really valuable information that deserves to be more widely known. Well, I appreciate your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what it is in my opinion. <laughs> well, that's how I feel about my statements. <laughs> but I'm happy to talk about it because I love dreams and I think they are so important. Yeah. And if we paid more attention to them, our lives would be better. Wonderful. William Formaker, and how can people get in touch with you? They can uh, call me at 707-544-5717. Mm -hmm. They can go to our website at fullhearttreatment.com. And I also have a williamformaker.com. Okay. So a number of ways. Look Great. me up. I should pop up. And fullhearttreatment.com, that's for anybody, even if you don't think you have an eating disorder, but you might have some issues with food, that would be a place. Do you have drop-in groups? Absolutely. We have a drop-in group every Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30, completely free, oh, open to the community. Anybody that's uh, concerned about their eating habits or their food or their body image, they can drop in and be supported by others in the community. Thank you so much, Will. Really a pleasure talking with you. Well, thank you, Anne. It was fun. Okay. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dream Talk Radio. I'm Anne Hill, and you can find all of my podcasts at dreamtalkradio.net. If you like what you just heard, please let others know and leave a review on iTunes. And if you want to know in advance who I'll be interviewing next, 
You can find out on the Dream Talk Radio Facebook page. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening.